from the Carter Subaru Studios, this is the G and Ursula Show with G. Scott and Ursula Voitine. Good morning, everybody, and thank you for listening to the G and Ursula Show. Happy Tuesday. Good morning, Ursula. What's happening? Good morning. We had a fun first hour, and we are ready to start hour number two. But I just want to remind everybody that uh, this show is nothing without you. And that's why we repeatedly mention our Muckleshoot Casino Resort text line, which is 888-973-5476-888-973 Cairo. It's another one of those days where our text line is humming. If you don't do text messages, but you want to take part too, uh, you can always go on our G and Ursula Show Facebook page. We try to look at those messages as well. I just want to, I just want to thank our text line. If I would have had the text line in school, you know what I mean. <laughs> you would have been completely distracted. For sure. <laughs> you would have got sure. nothing but, done. But, but but this, I'm distracted uh-huh. at in work a in a good way. Yeah. And like you texting, it makes our day go by so much faster. Because yes. I'll be, be texting back. Yes. I, I haven't done any bless your hearts in a minute. I know. I'm so proud of you. Oh, I, I'm not. Yeah, I no, need to I let am. some of those go. No, because... <laughs> no, 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 no. <laughs> it's 2024. Okay. Okay. What's new at 10? And we've got a reporter, Matt Markovich, here. He covers everything about what's going on in Olympia. And right now, if you're a gun owner, there's a bill that could require you to take out liability insurance. Yeah, this is brand new for the state of Washington. Actually, it's brand new across the country. Some, like the city of San Jose tried this, the state of New Jersey, San Jose's had some success in the court. But let me basically say this. Senate Bill 5963 would require gun owners to carry gun liability coverage as part of their homeowners or renters insurance to cover the costs of injuries of an accidental charge. Uh, and, and, you know, I'm just going to play this one quick clip from a testifier yesterday, Craig Reynolds from Mercer Island. He's an educator. He kind of summed it up really quick. We all hear that guns don't kill people. People kill people. Well, people who own guns need to be financially responsible for the weapons they own that can kill. Yes. And if you have just like a car, a car can be a weapon. It can be very dangerous to operate. You have to have liability insurance. Why not have that for guns? I mean, that's a simplifying the whole premise of this insurance bill. Patty Cooter is the sponsor. This requirement does not regulate, limit, or control the manner or method in which people may keep or bear arms. Instead, it simply says you must have liability insurance. Okay, so tell us what are the arguments against that then? So the arguments against it are basically it'll price new, uh, uh, low-income and moderate-income gun owners out of their house. Because we don't know, since you have to have liability insurance, either if you're a renter, if you rent a house, the renter is obligated to get this insurance, like a, a specific insurance. The homeowner is not. But the homeowner owns the house. They have to have gun liability insurance as part of their homeowner's insurance. We have no idea what, how much that's going to cost. So the NRA is coming out and saying, well, you're basically going to price out young, low-income gun owners because they can't afford housing anyway. This is going to cost insurance, your insurance, way up. We have no idea how much it's going to cost. Mm. This is brand new. Uh, But the idea is that it's just to cover in case something happens in the house, you, you hit somebody, they have injuries. The house is um, uh, has is 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 broken. You know, you do some damage to the house. You have to have this policy. 
just like you have to have car insurance. So this would assume that people also admit that they are gun owners. I mean, you'd have to admit. So the, it, it obligates the insurance company. If you're going to get a policy now, if this passes, the policy, uh, the insurance company has to contact you and say, "Do you own guns in that? You have guns in the house? Are you storing them safely?" That's the second question. They don't have to ask how many guns. They just have to say if you're storing it safely. And then the the people allege, well, the, the insurance company is going to have a registry now. Matt Markovich has guns in his house. I know it through the insurance company. People don't like reg- gun advocates don't like registry. So that's that puts a burden on the insurance company. But again, uh, this has it's it's brand new. I mean, this has not really been tried. There's a I won't go into it, but there's no thing as a Bruin decision, which really changed whether gun that uh, changed the laws. Oh, I didn't say it changed the laws. It really supports the Second Amendment that there should be no impediment to owning a firearm and. This, if you have an insurance policy that prices you out of your house, that's an impediment to owning a firearm and would go against the Bruin decision. So it's a wide ranging bill, brand new, and it has, and whether or not it even holds up in court, that's the big question. If this were to pass, this is going straight to court because it's so new. Yeah. Uh, but it's again, just like what you were talking with Chris about the tires, you know. It may not pass this session, but it's now in play. Mm-hmm. So this is officially now in play. And of all the bills that I've been covering this session, what happens in terms of te- public testimony, this had about 80 people who wanted to testify in person. It had 1,900 people sign up. They actually took the time and say, I'm either pro or con on it. That's the most of any bill so far this le- this short session was this bill we're talking about right now. What's so, your thoughts, Ars? Well, am I... I mean, some parts make sense, but, you know, I, I don't think it's going to go anywhere. And I, I think that you're exactly right. It's going to go straight to court. Mm-hmm. Uh, but my question is, how has it worked elsewhere? It I mean, hasn't worked. Well, you, you said it, it it's Well, when limited- I did some of my research on this, uh, it, 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 there was a, the city of San Jose has something similar within the city limits. But they put... And why it passed its first court case is because they put limits on the liability coverage. It was real specific. New Jersey drafted a law that had a lot of holes in it. Its first challenge in court gone. It was just it was just was it was a war, poorly written law. This is learning from everybody here. So Washington State's making this proposal now. Again, a lot of loopholes because, uh, not loopholes, but just a lot of. Unanswered questions about how much the insurance would be, yeah. what the coverage would have to be, um, and one thing I learned the, the, in all the, this, I, one thing I learned is, did you know that if you own your house outright in the state of Washington, you don't have to have homeowners insurance? You don't have to have it. You'd be crazy not to. You'd be crazy not to, but you don't have to have it. But if this bill passes, then you would be required. You would be required to yeah, go get so a special the, insurance for the guns that you have in your house that you own, own outright and have no homeowners insurance on. Ursula, you answer what you think would happen. Do you do you mm-hmm. think that uh, people should have uh, gun insurance? I. Th- I, I need to do more research on that one. I, I really do. I mean, just my gut instinct would be it makes sense because accidents can happen. But I also understand the sentiment, which right now is blowing up on our text line, which is, you know, are the criminals going to have insurance? Oh, yeah, that, they brought that up, too. No. 22% of the people, the stat came out, 22% of the people in the state drive without mandatory insurance right now. That's the stat. So what makes you think that even a legal gun owner is going to get this insurance and the criminals for sure are not going to get this exactly. insurance? Mm. 
What, well, you know, what are your thoughts? Well, here's here's my thought when I when I hear this, and I often hear this a lot lately, and and every time it ha- it just triggers me. Whenever there is an argument to be made to like help through, but but what about the people? What about the people low income? We gotta we gotta think about them. Everybody always uses that excuse. Here's my question: Why don't we just help low income people? Why is that so hard that we? The reason why I'm bringing that up because I hear all the arguments. We can't have this. We can't have this because this would harm them. This would harm them. You know what I wish? I wish when gentrification was happening here. In all the big cities around the country, I wish people were thinking about low-income people during those times. You know, when low-income people right now are forced to live way out and they can't live closer to the city, I wish they would have thought about low-income people then. It's funny how people pick and choose when they care about low-income people. Now, as for this, I don't know. I mean, in everything that we do these days— we get priced out of things, right? So basically what happens in this case right here, hey, gun owner, you need to get some insurance. I do know that there are probably some insurance folks out there that would love for this to pass. This would yeah. be a new book of business. So, But does, maybe, it, does it make sense, though, that you don't have to have homeowner's insurance, but you would have to have gun insurance? I mean, that that's the part. It's like it almost feels like specifically targeting gun owners. Hey, we... And, we have car. We have well, mandatory this is, car. This is no doubt targeting gun owners. Gun owner, I mean, like as in basically an anti-gun legislation. We well, the, yeah. Let's be honest, though. Like, guns are a huge problem in our society. Yes. Tens of thousands of people die every year. And why do people? Why do most people die from firearms? Because they're either improperly stored. Or stolen. Stolen, right. Right? So if someone's kid gets a hold of their gun and actually sh- accidentally shoots the neighbor Tommy, that would be an accidental discharge in this. This doesn't even address the fact that there are thousands and thousands of guns that are improperly stored, that are stolen every day across this country, and then those guns are used to murder people. I would like to see this liability extend outside the home. If you're not, if you're not storing your firearm properly... You should have liability for whatever happens with that gun, well, and that's and, and you are liable, and you can be charged with a crime. If no, if, no, if, you could you could get a, a secure storage penalty if you admit that yeah, I didn't store the weapon. I mean, just look at like the Ingram High shooting, right? Remember two years ago, Ingram High, seventeen year olds killed by a fourteen year old. Where does a fourteen year old get a gun? Well, it was stolen out of a Linwood home eleven days prior. Right. That's how criminals get guns is from irresponsible gun owners. I want to take it to the next step. We have uninsured driver insurance now. Should I get uninsured gun liability insurance in case something happens to my kid at school to cover all the costs and all the things, or if there's any danger? Uh, yeah, people. Do, you wait, know, wait, all wait, of a sudden people, it, it throws it back on well, people who don't have any, who have uh, are legitimate uh, people hold, affected by a gun. Hold on, hold on. There are people that put insurance on their kids. Usually, well-to-do people put insurance on their kids for situations like if something were to happen to their child that they themselves are uh, covered because maybe they have to take off of work. That happens. So, as a matter of fact, there's a lot of poor people that don't have uh, the ability to do with people with means have right this look this whole topic is 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 interesting i don't and ursula i I don't want to escape from this i want to just tell you right now 
I don't really have this strong opinion about this, meaning I don't have this, yes, this is going to curtail our gun problem, right? Like, we do everything in the world to try to curtail our gun problem with these little things like this. No, this is get to the root of it. We yeah. have a real gun problem that our country can't come together on because we have lobbyists that do things that influence the decisions of this. So I'm not about to sit here and fight with all of you about whether or not there should right. be insurance or not. And also, I find it also funny. When people talk about low income, they always say things like, oh, well, they got enough money to buy an iPhone and some Michael Jordans. They always talk like that. You know what they never say? They never say, oh, they got the money to buy a gun. Because I'll tell you what, if you don't have money and you're low income, maybe you shouldn't have a gun. Oh, that's I shouldn't say that. See that it works. Hmm. Okay, well, we're not going to solve that one, but we've got a couple of other things that I'm going to bring up the animal cruelty because we uh, tease that. So okay. what's what are the additional penalties that we're looking at? Uh, animal cruelty. Um, you threw me off right there. I got to remember what that is. <laughs> oh, whoops. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, okay. I, I mean, I, I did it yesterday. It's just like, the, I, I hate to be honest with you. Just think I'll come You're up churning, with it. You're churning everything that's coming yeah, through. The animal cruelty is to make, okay, I now I remember. The animal cruelty is basically this. If you were to abuse a dog or you run a puppy mill with 400 puppies, they come and take it. And they find you guilty of animal cruelty, which is a felony. It's a big time felony. When the judge goes to sentence you, this is sentence you basically on one dog. You can't be get a higher sentence if you had 400 dogs you were cruel to. So the animal cruelty law here is basically saying, let's have the sentence fit the crime. So there's a big difference if you are cruel to one dog, neglect or kill the dog. And, it's, and you're found guilty of that, versus and 400 dogs. There's a big difference to that. So now this bill that's being uh, talked about would make the sentence, sentencing commiserate to the crime. Hmm. So if the more the more abuse you do, the higher penalty you pay. Yes. Uh, I mean, that sign, sign, sign me up. Yeah, yes. That one seems pretty no, yeah. clear cut. Yeah, that's yeah. Pretty, pretty, yeah. Clear it's cut. got a lot of support. So it's one of those bills mm-hmm. that uh, I brought up. But there's a lot of uh, animal lovers out there. They care about what happens to the, the, the dogs and, 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 the, and who hap- what happens to the people who are cruel to animals. And so this is an element of that. Mm. Okay. And then election worker harassment. That's also being talked about. Yeah. Same kind of situation, if you th- believe it or not. This is the last year they passed a bill that if you are. Uh, cyber stalking or cyber harassing an election worker, uh, you are guilty of a felony. But the bill said that if you go up to that same person and threaten to kill them in person, not do it online, but in person, it's just a gross misdemeanor. And if you on the on the first part, cyber uh, the the uh, cyber online attack, you can. Uh, the per, the victim can go to the Secretary of State's office and register for an anonymity address program. If the person does a threat in person, they're not they don't have access to that. So what this bill is basically doing is matching the in person. This is strange enough. Matching the in person threat to the cyber threat against mm. election workers. Um, good bill. It's getting support, um, but it's just is kind of a head scratcher that you can threaten somebody online and it's more of a penalty than doing it in person. Oh, that's crazy. And so but here's the so but here's the that. argument against it. If you do it in person, who's to say that that harassment if you're threatening an election worker is not political speech in this day of well, the if it 2020 a threat 
It could be a threat. Harm, you know not- what? What's determining? Like we were talking the other day about intimidation. What's the definition of intimidation or a threat to an election worker in person? And that's the argument here by First Amendment people saying you the her election worker may interpret the threat against them as a harassment, but. First Amendment person, I wasn't threatening their person bodily harm. I wasn't. I'm just threatening they shouldn't be doing their job. They're like an ump. They shouldn't be. They don't know what they're doing. And that could be interpreted as a, a, a threat by an election worker, but not by the First Amendment person. Hmm. Does that make any sense? Yes, yeah, okay. it does. Yeah, so, it makes sense. But uh, 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 lock, lock them up. I'm sick and tired of all these <laughs> folks going to do that. And, and some of you guys are okay with it. Some of you guys are okay with that kind of stuff. Oh, he's just, you know, his First Amendment rights. You have first consequences, too. So you want to go there? And we, we, have, we had a problem. We had a real problem in 2020. We had a real problem with our election uh, workers being for threatened. Years. Yeah. Right? That that is that is a real issue. Now the majority of people don't do it. Like 98% of you guys don't go about your way to go and threaten the uh, election uh, workers and all of them. But some of you do, and some of you need to be locked up for it. And some of us need to not justify them. They're just being passionate. No, stop it. They just need to go to jail. How about that? Well, Matt, once again, you got us riled up. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry about and, that. And by oh, the way, cool. yeah, I wasn't text, expecting that one. Yeah, but no, no, no. Yeah. You know what? We were kind of getting deep on the gun thing, so I totally understand that. And you're, it was just, you're, just to follow up on Chris's through. thing real quick, that tire bill when he said maybe Matt real will quick. know. Yeah. yeah. It's not going to probably go anywhere. Okay. So, yeah. So don't get worked up over the tires. But uh, if you have cheap tires, you're good. Yeah. <laughs> just there, be careful. Yeah, be riled up, man. There is, by the way, there is... <laughs> It's not. It's not real hard to figure out if somebody's being threatened. Like I don't. We. We. we it's not real hard. Yeah. Real hard. You, you come down there. Hey, I just wanted to say hello, just to you. That's one thing. Hey, I want to do this to you and cause bodily harm. It's not hard to figure out. The Cowlitz County Auditor lost half her staff over this threat. Oh, and we had uh, the former Secretary of State crying on our air about how people were being targeted mm-hmm. in her office. So mm-hmm. yeah, it's real. Ursa. Speaking of threats and umpire abuse and dads that go crazy because of an umpire Not being on dads. their phone. There's some moms who oh, go ham. I understand. We had stories of a dad getting mad at an umpire being on their phone. Ted Beener is going to join us to talk about that next. Jen Ursula. Ursula Show. Thank you so much for hanging out with us on this Tuesday morning. As always, we invite you to join us on our Muckleshoot Casino Resort text line 888-973-5476-888-973 Cairo. And it was around this time yesterday, G, we were talking about that bill in the legislature that would make threats or intimidation against referees a Class C felony. So how bad are parents and kids these days? We wanted to find out how much of a problem this actually is. And so we thought we would check in with Ted Beener, who happens to be our Cairo Radio meteorologist, but he also happens to be an umpire. Good morning, Ted. Good morning. Okay, so we wanted to talk. Let's talk first about the umping and what you see on baseball fields and just in, in, in general when it comes to sports and maybe some excitable parents. <laughs> 
Well, <laughs> I had a chance to listen to uh, yesterday's conversation. Uh, Chef, are you are you okay after what? Uh... <laughs> uh, I mean, I Chef, who, I'm who, fine. who got upset yeah, with a right. ref over... Or was it are, are you are you on your cell phone during baseball games, Ted, while you're making calls? No. <laughs> okay. No, I'm not. No, Yelling is not no, acceptable. It's, though. It's, so, but it's, it's but, all focused. But on Ted, that. just Jake, so you ahead. just so you know, here's my stance on this: as being around sports my entire life, including with my kids, these parents is crazy. These folks in the stands are crazy, and they're they've gotten even worse today. So, what's your experience like? All right, this will be my 47th season umpiring baseball. And I'm not talking Little League or anything like that. I'm talking high school ball, uh, men's leagues, college ball. I've done Pac-10 ball in the past. Um, So I've got a lot of experience. And generally speaking, everybody's pretty well behaved. Yes, there are a few exceptions here and there, uh, but at that higher level of ball, most people are pretty well disciplined, and that includes the parents. Now, it doesn't mean that there haven't been a few excitable ones along the way, um, and they're the ones that I try to talk with between innings, saying, hey, would you like to be a baseball official? <laughs> and I'll tell you, just asking that question alone, unless they're really passionate about it, they back off. They really do back off. So, um, But there have been a few occasions. I can remember a game, I think it was at Garfield High School in the summer of 1985, uh, where after the game it was so tense that I literally – got in my car with my plate gear on, turned on the ignition, and left. I didn't want anybody to come up and start doing something to my car, let alone doing something to me. It was a very uncomfortable situation. And I've had parents uh, approach me in the parking lot. You know, we don't have a dressing room. Our dressing room is the parking lot. That's where we take put our gear on and take our gear off. Um, and I've had some parents approach me and, you know, basically say, why did you do this or why did you do that or why didn't you do this, that kind of thing. Uh, but again, it's very, very rare. I think what you have witnessed, uh, G, is is at those younger levels. Is that correct? Would that be like 12 and under, something like that? Bingo. The higher up. Yes. Right? The college level. The higher the stakes. The, co- the, the college level. <laughs> Nothing. There's absolutely no problems there. I'm talking about 12 and below. I'm talking about the where you should be worried about having fun, but yet you're acting like this is life or death. That's when you see the craziness. Am I right? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I, fortunately, I have not had a chance to work those kinds of games, but I attend my grandson's games and he's age 10 right now. And I have seen some of this where the parents are trying to live through their kids. <laughs> and it's not just baseball. I'm seeing it right now. My son is playing uh, fifth grade basketball and I'm seeing it there as well. But again, it's a relatively few number of people. And there are things that game officials can do to kind of dampen the the atmosphere, if you wish. Okay, real quick, go through those, because I want to have a little chance to talk about uh, the weather, too. So what what can you do, real quick, to bring down the temperature? 
Yeah, absolutely. The first thing is, it's not me versus the fan or the parent. It is, coach, you need to control that fan. Can you do that? And Mm -hmm. they will because they know that if this thing gets out of hand, the game's over. It really is over. And they, a, a lot of times I remind the coaches, you know, there's not many of us out here anymore. I was just at our first uh, meeting of the year last night. Uh, we have 143 members of the Northwest Baseball Numbers, uh, Members Baseball Association, and they worked over 5,900 games last season from March through October. That's a long season. It's a lot of games. I can remember when the association had well over 200 members. Mm. And the number of games keeps rising each year because so many more kids want to play. Absolutely. That's why we're there. Right. And it's a lot of fun to do that. But when you have those those bad apples, it is tough to recruit people to be umpires. And it's tough to retain them over a long period of time. I'm a rare animal. Like I said, 47th season coming up. Well, you're lucky, too, that you have had uh, those just rare bad experiences because I heard from a parent who said that her 13-year-old son uh, was badgered and bullied as a uh, when he refed a game and never wanted to do it again after that. Okay, real quick, though, because we only have two minutes. Ted, what are we expecting? We had, what, 69 degrees in Bellingham yesterday? Like, what is going yeah, on? Isn't that that's crazy? It just crushed the old record of 62 that was set back in 1992. And, you know, out on the coast, here in the interior, we're just knocking off those records and have been since Sunday. So we're going to have one more day of it today, maybe nowhere close to where we were yesterday. But still, you know, our record highs are ranging from the mid-50s to right around 60 degrees. Um, and we're going to be right in that neighborhood again today and finally start to cool things down. But this month has been a roller coaster. It was just a couple of weeks ago we had sub-freezing temperatures. Mm. And here we exactly. are with very spring-like temperatures. The frogs are croaking outside right now. Yeah, so. they are. I heard some yesterday. <laughs> hey, yeah. Ted, before you go, we got to get you to answer the question. Do you agree or disagree with a potential Class C felony for someone harassing and or threatening threatening a referee? I agree. And here's why. Uh, It goes back to um, retaining and recruiting new officials. We've got a shortage across every level of, of uh, games from fall sports to spring sports, uh, etc. Really need to find a way to retain those folks. Let the kids play. Let them have fun. We're out there to uh, adjudicate the games. We have no passion one way or the other for either team. Thank you. Appreciate you, Ted. Have a great rest of your day. You're welcome. Have fun. All right. Hey, coming up next in scenarios, the topic is my daughter and her birth parents. Next, Gina. Scenarios is brought to you by 1-800-DUI-AWAY. It is the Gene Ursula Show. Let's get to scenarios. Here we go, yo. Here we go, yo. So what, so what, so what's the scenario? 
My adopted daughter is 17. She has never been interested in her birth parents, but now that she's turning 18, she is asking questions about who she is. I don't know why that is so important to her, but it bothers me. She told me that for her high school graduation this spring, she wants to find her real mom and dad and that it's all that she wants. My husband and I thought this might happen, but assumed it would be much sooner. Once we got past ages 13 and 14, we thought it was probably the past, and we thought we'd enthusiastically support her if and when it came up, but now it's just hit me like a ton of bricks. The way she's approaching it, it feels weird. She wants to find a real mom and dad. Really? Now? After all we've done for her entire life, and now she's about to leave our household and get out in the real world on her own, and now she wants to find her real parents? This is making me anxious. I'm kind of angry about it. She's our daughter, and we are her parents. It's disrespectful and a betrayal to try and track down her real mother and father. This could be expensive. We may have to hire a private investigator. I say we give her the option to get this for her graduation, or we'll pay for her college. Not both. Hopefully, she'll make a smart decision and let this search go. My husband is more understanding, but I get increasingly angry about it. Why would she think of us with such disrespect? 888-973-5476 is the Muckleshoot Casino Resort text line. Ursula, you're up the bat first. Now, I know who could answer this much better than I can, and that would be someone who has either been adopted or an adoptive parent, um, because this kind of stuff happens a lot. And the timing... Uh, is is hard to predict when, but I, I would imagine that most people who have been adopted will at some point want to know who their biological parents are. There's already a lot of emotions going into graduation. There's already a feeling probably by mom and maybe dad uh, that their daughter is going to be leaving the home. They're going to be empty nesters. It's a big time of upheaval. What I would not do is tie her desire to find her biological parents to her ability to pay for college. It sounds like mom is trying to to make her make this choice. Uh, I would just say, you know, I if we need to uh, pay for all these things right now, it's you know, it is going to be spendy. She's going to be turning 18. You can't stop her from wanting to find her um, blood parents. Mm-hmm. Um, but you will always be, as the, do- the, the the parents who raised her, you will always be mom and dad. You will always be her parents. Um, I think it's, I believe it's important to support someone's desire to want to learn more about their biological parents. I mean, just f- in terms of also even health uh, ramifications or uh, whether it's curiosity to learn more about herself. I totally get it. And I would also suggest getting counseling. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That was sure. spot on. That spot. Like she said, I don't know why knowing this information is so important to her. Like, really? Have you not been an adoptive parent throughout your daughter's yes. entire life? Have you never talked to another adoptive parent? Like, I guess I can understand the feeling that you're threatened by being replaced if she finds her biological parents. I can get that that's like a visceral emotional feeling you can have, but it's also not logical. Like they, they can't replace you. 
Sometimes those those reunions can be fraught. She may not even ever be able to contact these people. And I think you're spot on, Ursula, that this is actually anxiety about empty nesting. Yes. Uh, And this is a huge problem. Literally, Wall Street Journal yesterday, there are empty nest counselors. Like, it's a growing industry with certification. People charge like $250 an hour to counsel parents who are you know, about to take that step or who've just taken that step. I don't know if I would recommend that, but talk to some other parents who've had kids leave the home, see how they're doing, see how they coped, find things to replace the energy that you're putting into your daughter with other activities in your life. Yeah. Can we, can we just be honest though? We're all selfish by nature. A lot of times we do. And sometimes you got to recognize, right, things that you are selfish about. Maybe this topic, I think this topic is kind of easy, right? Um, But this topic is also understandable, right? And I think, Ursula, you hit it definitely where counseling is going to be. Because, look, she has these feelings, and at least she's honest enough to express them. Yeah, feeling like abandonment. Like, like how how dare she want to look for her parents after I've done all, you know, all these things for her. And. I, I, I understand that. Like, I understand where she's like, we've done all these things, and you think that if she finds their, her real parents, that the love that she had for you guys is going to be switched over. And it's that's not. not the case. That love for you as a parent is always going to be there. Now let me find out where I come from. And I think that is a natural Thing. Everybody necessary yeah. in many cases. Well, yeah. You want to understand, like, biologically, why is this happening to me? I don't understand why this is happening to me. Maybe someone can fill the rest of the puzzle pieces mm-hmm. for me. Yeah. Why am I this way? Why yeah. is my temperament this way? Where does this come from? So you want to be able to learn those things. Nick, brother, what you got? I think the step-parents are being a little harsh on their kid, and I think they, they're coming from a place where they can't really understand where she's coming from, and the consequences of what they're trying to hold back from her, are, again, are harsh. So don't close the door on her and let her try and find out. Don't don't let her go away or anything. Uh, it's kind of a complicated one to me, but... Uh, you're, you don't know how she's feeling with this one, so I wouldn't let her go, even though you don't feel the same way. That's, a, that's another good point. You definitely don't know how the child's feeling. You might assume, like, I mean, not many people are, have been, you know, only, like you said, only people that have been adopted. Well, and a bunch really of them can... are weighing in, uh, and uh, they're basically saying that, um, you know, an adoptive child wanting to find their birth parents is not... Unusual. It is not. It's not a, a slap in the face of the adoptive parents. Um, you know, it is something that might feel hurtful at that moment. Mm-hmm. But again, I think it's just a natural thing that one would want if they are adopted. Yeah. And, and and by the way, I, I said about being selfish, being a normal thing. Sometimes we, even if you don't say it. You might have that little bit of inside because she loves her adoptive daughter so much. They love their adoptive daughter so much that they are afraid of losing that. So I think it's almost a normal thought. Then, then you might believe. Yeah, I, right? I, I think so too. Yeah. But understand that you are her parents. Yeah. You are her parents. She will always be with you. She will always come back to you. But mm-hmm. this is a necessary step for her. Right. Coming up next, an agree to disagree. Costco has made it on here. Find out what happens when somebody buys something and they want to take it back. Wait till you find out what it is. It's GNR Slope.